Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, your flight to Bristol has been delayed once again. But for your entertainment purposes, please listen to the Baggage Claim Monday edition of the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney. The white zone is for immediate unloading and loading of passengers only. No parking in the white zone. Thank you. It's actually a Baggage Claim Thursday. It's a special playoff Baggage Claim edition. I'm Buster Oley, and you can hear I am at the Minneapolis airport. It's Thursday, October 5th, 2023. Uh, Taylor, Sarah, Bruce are all back in Connecticut. Uh, We are recovering after the first two days of the playoffs. I did the uh, Marlins and Phillies series on television, uh, but my series was like every other series. Man. Taylor, that was quick. Yeah, man, we were we were chatting. You know, people are like, "Oh, you root against this team, you root for that team." We root for sweeps here in the media, <laughs> just to, to make things a little bit cleaner. So, while I wish we would have had a game three for the drama and, and the excitement for something to talk about, the sweeps are fine with me. All right, I've got a theory why we had four two zero sweeps. I'm going to share with Jeff Passon coming up, but I'm curious, Taylor. We'll start with you. Give get a theory from each one of you why we're seeing two zero series. These games are just hard to win. It's hard to win a three-game series. The pressure is immense. You lose the first game, and I feel like everything goes out the window for that team that that needs to make up that second one. So, I just I just think it's hard. Hard. You got got to win your division. Got to get the, one of those top two seeds. Sarah, was it two zero in Philadelphia because of you and all your co- your uh, Philadelphia cohorts? Yes, it was all because of me. I must say, um, <laughs> it, they have the power of Taylor Swift and Miles Teller on their oh, side, no. and that's oh, really no. tough to beat. It's really tough to beat. <laughs> Bruce, what do you got? I don't know. It feels like there's something in the air. Okay, that's what your guys' theories are. I've got a distinct theory, as I mentioned. I'm going to be sharing it with Jeff Passon coming up. But first, let's go back through highlights from last night's games, yesterday's games in Philadelphia. The Phillies playing the Marlins. The Marlins down 1-0 coming in. And, man, top of third inning, it felt like John Birdie made a big mistake. He looks at second. And now Birdie goes to third. The throw to third. Boehm is there. He makes the tag, and they got him. Wow. Easy as that. Birdie thought he had Nola Ren, and he said, uh-uh. I got the answer here. That's out number two of the inning. And a runner in scoring position wiped away. Yeah, Aaron Nola spun out. Uh, and Rob Thompson later d- during the broadcast explained they've been working on a lot of plays with the pitchers, trying to get them ready for postseason with uh, the managers potentially being more aggressive with these new stolen base rules. Kyle Schwarber gave the Phillies a lead in the bottom of the third. 1-1 to Schwarber. Swinging a hard grounder down the first baseline. That's a fair ball rolling all the way to the corner. Pache from first, heading to third. He gets the green light from Dusty Wathen. The relay throw does not come home. Pache scores. And JT Real Muto added to the lead in the bottom of the fourth. The 2-2 pitch. Uh-oh. And high in the air out to deep left field. And we've got our first home run in Philadelphia in the 2023 postseason. JT Real Muto, a solo shot to lead off the fourth. And it's 3-0 Phillies. And Bryson Stott put the game away in the bottom of the sixth. A lefty Nardi on the mound. His pitch swinging a high fly out toward right field. Sanchez watches as it sails over the wall for a grand slam. Bryson Stott into the seats in right field. And here in the bottom of the sixth as fireworks ignite in the night sky. And right after, man, these ta- these highlights, Taylor, they're cutting off so quick. 
I know, I know. Our, our friends in uh, in radio screening had an itchy trigger finger here, but we I think we get the point across. Man, just like boom, drop at the end of the word. All right, in the midst of the game, I spoke with Aaron Noah, the Phillies starting pitcher who worked seven great innings. Aaron, what do you feel like he did well tonight? Uh, I feel like I filled the zone up. Defense was great behind me. Uh, big double plays tonight, which helped out a lot, especially when a big off guy got on. Um, but for the most part, got ahead of the guys. Um, felt like first pitch strike was there for the most part. Uh, but try to make pitches as best as possible uh, when I needed to. Staff arranged a lot of rest for you guys in the last six weeks of the season. Tell me how different you feel this year compared to last year as the playoffs begin. I feel good. Physically, I feel good. Um, I know they, uh, we brought a six-man rotation in after the All-Star break and wanted to give us more rest, but I uh, feel good. I feel like our staff our staff feels good uh, going into the postseason, especially the wild card. And I mean, we still want to throw deep in the games to get these bullpen guys fresh, keep them fresh uh, all postseason, and hopefully we can make a good run. So the Phillies overwhelmed the Marlins 7-1 and sweep the series 2-0. Afterward, Rob Thompson talked about the impact of Stott's Grand Slam. Uh, probably a lot. You know, he'd, he'd been struggling coming up to the last day in New York, uh, the last game of the regular season. He'd been struggling a little bit. Um, but to, to get the ball in the air and, and hit a home run, because he hadn't hit a home run in a while, I think it was big for him. And uh, the, ova- the ovation he got, his next at bat was spectacular. Skip Schumacher, the Marlins manager, knows moving forward that the Marlins will grow from these two games. I think the uh, culture changed. Uh, I believe that um, there's a new standard in that clubhouse now, and now it's up to them to protect that standard, honestly. Um, and I think uh, those guys are now understanding what winning looks like and should look like. And um, it was a really fun year. I mean, I grew a lot as a person, as a coach. Um, Met a lot of good people, new people um, in baseball, and um, just really fell in love with those guys. This, the sad part about it is because it's baseball, you're not going to see all the same people in spring training, right? And, um, and that's what sucks because I came to the field every day um, away from my family, but so grateful to be a part of another family. Yeah, I think Skip Schumacher is one of the best managers in baseball already. He is a sharp guy, and he's going to have a lot of success in his career in that spot. The Diamondbacks led the Brewers one game to none going into the game on Wednesday. Cattell Marte gave the Diamondbacks a lead in the top of the sixth. 3-2. Swing and a liner. Back up the middle and through for a hit. Skipped under the glove of Peralta. Perdomo is in. Here comes Carroll. He scores and taking second is Marte. And the Diamondbacks have taken the lead. 3-2 Arizona. Roxy Bernstein, ESPN Radio. Here was the final call of that series. The 0-2. Swing and a miss. Struck him out with a sweeper. The Diamondbacks have won the series. Arizona has closed out the NL Central winning Brewers. In comeback fashion, each of the two games in Milwaukee, and they sweep this best-of-three wildcard series, and Paul Seawold gets the save for the second consecutive game. So I'm going to give you a couple of versions of Tori Lavello, who is a great guy, uh, and then when you speak to him away from the ballpark, he's so understated, so polite. Here's Tori Lavello being very understated, talking about how the, his team grew over the last five, six years he's managed the Diamondbacks. You lump up the last six years, um, and... You know, consider what we've walking walked through and, and the, the dark times that we had. 
this is a pretty special moment. There's a lot of emotion inside of this organization, inside of this clubhouse right now. Um, 2017 was a magical year. Uh, we had some great players, and you know it was just a, a different time. And the players that have cycled through our system, that have learned our our values, um, and uh, you know, morals are here on this stage performing, it makes it a little bit more special. I've, I've known these kids for five or six years as they've been developing into the system, and it is it is a true connection. Um, that's what I'm thinking about right now when I get asked the question, what's the difference between last time, this time, with the six years? It's the dark times coming out the other end and then celebrating with kids that I've watched basically grow up right before my very eyes. That's Tori Lovello outside of the clubhouse. Here's Tori Lovello inside the clubhouse after the Diamondbacks swept the series. Are you kidding me? Listen, this is part of the journey. We're not there yet. Let's enjoy it. Let's embrace it. Let's party. And a connected team is a dangerous team. We are dangerous. Let's party. Oh, I love it so much. It is so much fun. That's awesome that Tori had that. Craig Council, the Brewers manager. We talked about him being one of the premier free agents in the market this fall. His contract is set to expire, and he was asked about that after yesterday's loss. Craig, is there any sort of timeline on, on your decision for your future? Do you have no, to that, that ain't for tonight, man. That ain't for tonight. All right, the Twins face the Blue Jays. The Twins having won game one. And Carlos Correa, who just loves to play in October, gave the Twins a lead in the bottom of the fourth. They've got a man at every base and the one nothing. Swing and a line drive. Base hit. Past the shortstop in the left center field. Lewis is in to score. Kepler down to third as the throw comes in. Correa rips a single, and Minnesota leads it one to nothing. So Carlos Correa, I think this is right, scored a 1580 on his SATs. This is a smart dude. Uh, and in the top of the fifth inning, the Blue Jays had second and third and two outs. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. on second. And Carlos Correa put on a pickoff play. This is what happened. Play on at second. Here's the throw. The tag. And wow. Guerrero is out. On the back pick, they got him. How does that happen? Vladimir Guerrero getting picked off in that situation with a runner at third base when they're down two runs. We're going to be talking about that with Jeff Passon coming up. The next inning, Toronto had a chance to score. Matt Chapman at the plate. This is what happened. Big spot to show here. The 1-1. Swing at a ground ball to short. Correa to Julian at second one. On the first. Got him. Double play. And the Twins get out of it. A 6-4-3. Bases loaded. Inning ending. Double play. Yeah, this is what it sounded like in the ninth inning. They are one strike away from moving on in the postseason. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out. It's over. The Twins are on to the division series. After the game, Carlos Correa spoke with Alden Gonzalez. Hey, Carlos, it's been 21 years since this franchise has won a playoff round. You were brought here to deliver moments like this. How does it feel to see this come to fruition? It feels amazing, man. It feels amazing. You know, to get that first win in a long time yesterday was special, but to get to get this win right here and move on to the next round, it feels amazing. You know, uh, we're, we're going to go to Houston. Obviously, they got a great team over there. Um, and 
and we're gonna play our best baseball, man. We this feels really good. Carlos, this team has gotten a lot of contributions from young players, less heralded players. What do you think people should know about this group and what makes it so special? Well, it's a young, talented group, man. That 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 really wants it. Right? I I tell everybody this reminds me a lot of the 15 Astros when the young talent came up, matched up with the veterans that they were there already, and then they started going off. So that's how I feel about this organization or the squad that we have right now. If you look at our young players, they're gonna be here for a long time. Me, Boston, Royce, all the guys are gonna be here for a long time, and we're gonna build something special. You said it earlier. The Astros are next. I think you're kind of familiar with them. What do you think about that matchup? Just a little bit familiar with that ballpark and that team. Uh, you know, they they, they they know what to do in postseason baseball, and that's something we preach here in this clubhouse. You know, when the moment comes, you gotta be ready and prepared. And if you're prepared, you're gonna have the confidence to go out there and do your job, and that's what we're doing. Carlos, thanks so much. Congratulations. Sonny Gray was in the Twins press conference after the game, and he was asked about Carlos Correa putting on that pickoff play. I asked, I said, Who, you put that on? Did you put that on? Yeah, let away. Wait. And he said, no, Carlos put that on. And I said, no, cuss word. So for him to have the awareness of the awareness earlier in the game to say, hey, this is, this is an option. This is there for us. And then in a moment like that, to have the awareness to relay it from shortstop to the dugout and the dugout to relay it into the pitch comms, um, for me it was just about executing a play. Uh, but for him to have that awareness is, is what makes him special. My man, Sonny Gray, Vanderbilt product, great guy from Tennessee, needs to talk to Tori Lovello about letting it fly, Taylor, don't you think? Oh yeah, I mean he could have. He should have. He should have let the cuss word fly. He censored himself. No need for that. You're a winner. Oh man. Well, after the game, of course, John Snyder, the Blue Jays manager, was asked question about Vladimir Guerrero getting picked off at second. Yeah, it's tough. You get arguably, you know, probably your best hitter at the plate. Um, Sonny's at the end of his pitch count, probably his last hitter. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. You know. Um, as much as we talk about it, you know, we've talked about it since February 14th. Um, I think that we can all look each other in the face and say collectively we fell short of executing what we wanted to do. So um, it's not for a lack of information or prep. Um, in that moment, that can't happen. The Rangers, the Rays, the Rays having lost game one of this series. And in the top of the fourth inning, the Rangers took it to Tampa Bay. The one one Garcia swings, launches, left field. Arena looks up, and it's gone! Adolis Garcia unloads to left, and the Rangers strike first in the fourth on a solo shot in game two. His 3-2, Young swings, got jammed, floated to short right. Low charges in, dives and can't make the catch. It bounces away down the line. Tavares scores. Young digs for third. The throw on a hop, the tag. No, he's safe. Young goes sliding in on a blooper in to right that scores Tavares and makes it two zip Rangers in the fourth in game two. He's at third for Evan Carter. First pitch, he swings, crushes it, right field, wall, gone! Evan Carter, the rookie, again! It's a two-run shot to right, and just like that, it is 4-0 Rangers in the fourth in game two. Evan Carter. Wearing Josh Hamilton's number is part of the reason why that the Rangers swept the series. They win uh, game two, seven to one. Afterward, Kevin Cash, Rays manager, was asked about the team being eliminated repeatedly. 
this team has been very good in the regular season the past three years, underperformed arguably in the postseason all three years. Is there a common thread there? Is there something missing? Is it fluke? You've asked me that three years in a row, and I don't know if I have the good answer right now. Uh, we're going to continue to work hard. I don't know if it's fluke or not. I mean, I think um, the guys that we had out there were able to do better than what we did today. Um, we'd like to continue playing, but I can't put my finger on one specific thing that why we've been eliminated pretty quickly. Rangers manager Bruce Bochy talked about Nathan Avaldi, who pitched for Texas in game two with that long history of success in the postseason. I'll say this. I mean, we had the right guy out there, and we had the right guy out there yesterday. What a job he did. Uh, you know, he's really worked hard to get back to this point, you know, going on the IL and goes out there and pitched a uh, just enormous game for us, and he's done that many times. So uh, it all starts with that starting pitcher and uh, sets a tone, and that's what he did for us today off a very, very good hitting, uh, hitting ball club. So, you know, he's uh, – He's just a, such a tough competitor. You saw it today. You talked about Evan Carter. And, of course, uh, Carter, I mean, gosh, this young kid has come up. and he, I, I don't even know if he know, know that he's in the big leagues. I mean, this, this guy has such a calmness about him. And uh, so uh, it's good to have the depth in that order and the back end of the order do what they did today. Yep. So all four series end in a 2-0 sweep. There's no baseball today. There's no baseball on Friday. We will have games on Saturday. Taylor, what's up? The Orioles have the first game with the 1 p.m. game. What is that? Buster, debacle in Baltimore. Billy Joel is playing at the Ravens Stadium. If you don't know, the Ravens Stadium and the Orioles Stadiums are right next to each other. He's playing at like 7 o'clock or something. The parking lots for that Billy Joel concert open up at 5. He's playing at 7, open up at 5. So if you're going to Baltimore, it's going to be a mess, unfortunately. So, uh, Billy Are you going to go? They're back in the playoffs uh I, I wish man my foot's banged up it's not yeah, really that's true yeah, I, yeah. I didn't even think about your foot when i asked the question yeah you're but, right the foot even, yeah the parking lot being a mess uh, two events clashing up against each other but it felt when i saw the time that was set 1 p.m i was like no respect no respect Unfo billy joel does not respect the baltimore orioles which isn't surprising as a long islander so he probably likes the <laughs> mets or something Figure. Well, and of course, this weekend we'll have the Twins facing the Astros, the Diamondbacks against the Dodgers, and the Premier Series, the Phillies facing the Braves. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, new episode of the College Game Day podcast. We had Ryan McGee back in the hosting chair with Pete Thamel and Bill Connolly. Really great trio of guys there talking ball. Had a good discussion on uh, the best team in the country. Are you are you thinking about that team in terms of their potential or their accomplishments? I thought it was a great conversation. I'm, I'm more of an accomplishment guy than potential, but uh, they hash it out over there. You can listen on this platform that you're listening to right now or on YouTube. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, 
prevents heartworm disease. Plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. Jeff Patterson covers baseball for ESPN. And Jeff, I've got a ton of questions for you. How are you doing on this Thursday, I think it is? Is it Thursday? Yeah, I've lost track too. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing great. I get to I get to go home and uh drive my kid to a debate tournament this weekend. So it's gonna be awesome. Yeah, it's it's gonna be great. First question though, I I you know, as I was packing this morning in Philadelphia, uh, you know, I'm I'm completely sober, didn't have any, anything to drink last night, but my suit, I think the blood alcohol level of my suit would be at about a point four oh because the <laughs> Phillies, man, they celebrated hard you know they kept on rewinding this song that Kyle Schwarber likes and he was singing along to it and they're just pouring beer over his head just two by two by two by two with champagne mixed in as well what's the 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 most doused you've ever been in your time in a in a championship clubhouse uh was in Milwaukee I believe and Mike Moustakis who I had got to know as he was coming up in Kansas City and I lived in Kansas City, uh, would not stop just absolutely crushing me. Um, it, to the point where it ruined the suit. And when I had a uh, an Allen and Ginter baseball card made up of me and they wanted something for the relic, like, you know, to take a piece of something and put it as an insert in the card, I used my ruined... Mike Moustakis doused suit. And so if you have one of those baseball cards, it has like what looks like some uh, Navy fabric. That's what it's from. It still smelled like champagne five years later. It was the grossest thing I've ever seen. So the worst I ever got it, I mean, last night was bad, but the worst I ever got yeah. it uh, when the uh, Astros won a wild card game in Yankee Stadium and Carlos Correa in his rookie year saw me and just emptied one or two bottles of champagne over my head. And I, you know, lived in Westchester at the time. And as I'm driving home, I'm like, oh, my God, if I get stopped, <laughs> if I get stopped, I am in such trouble, not only because of the reek of the champagne on me, but the explanation to the cop would have sounded so ridiculous. Of course. You know, I, I, I was just in the uh, Astros clubhouse. Yeah, that's where I was. And and one of their their star shortstop dumped a bunch of champagne on me. I I promise, officer. I'm sure that's exactly what happened. Here's the thing: you would have been the first person ever to ask for a breathalyzer, right? And you would right. have been, and you would have been okay then. <laughs> like you would have your far fetched story may have actually made sense at that point. Maybe maybe or maybe not. I don't know how much alcohol could seep through your skin if because <laughs> I was just so. <laughs> saturated is there, right. is there is there is there like a is there like a contact drunk i know there's a contact high but can you actually get <laughs> can you actually get drunk is your skin permeable enough well if there is then i take it back maybe i am drunk after being in that phillies clubhouse last <laughs> night oh my gosh those guys hit it hard and well deserved all right i get so many questions from these first round sweeps and first off why first round sweeps 
four for four? Because I've got my theory. I want to I want to hear your explanation. Well, my explanation is it's baseball. So I'm very curious to hear what your explanation is. Well, my explanation is I actually think having covered now two two years of this, I actually think that momentum in these series, kind of like if in a, in a wild card game, it always felt like getting ahead, that old cliche means something. Yeah. It has felt the last two days, it felt last year like the team that gets ahead, all of a sudden the team that's behind, they get so defensive. Just tightens up. Yeah, yeah. Does that I, make sense? You know what? I can't. Yeah, I can see that. Here, here's the thing, though. I, I feel like even a five-game series, that would be the case as well, though. Like, it's just winning game one is a really imperative thing to do when you're in a short series. It doesn't mean you're going to win the series necessarily, but it puts you at such an advantage. It allows you to not play the game where you're just facing 27 outs left in your season. Like, think about how John Schneider managed yesterday compared We're gonna to how get he to that. managed We're gonna get to in that. game one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's just a completely different mindset when it's a win-or-go-home game. Okay, so tell me about your view and tell me why John Schneider, in your eyes, you know, made this decision. 47 pitches in, Jose Barrios on the mound, pitching against his former team in Minnesota. I thought it was a great choice to line him up for game two. Because you and I have seen so many examples where guys working against their former teams get a little extra adrenaline. Yeah. And I wasn't watching the game live, but to read about it afterward, what a head-scratcher. What did you make of it live as it happened? Uh, Barrios was pitching really well. And here's the thing. You know that Jose Barrios is on when that slurve, he's commanding it to both sides of the plate. And that's the thing. He was working the slurve yesterday. and. It's one of those decisions, Buster, that I, I ran up by a bunch of front office people yesterday because this was a front office influence decision. We know that, not out of any like sourcing. It's because we know now the modern relationship between the front office and the manager is that quite often the front office will just tell the manager what to do or how to approach things or what the expectations are for the script of the game. And it, it's, it's why it saddens me that some autonomy has been taken away from the manager because, uh, you know, when managers don't get to use their feel, when they don't get to see with their eyes what's going on on the field and say, you know what, I'm going to ride with that. I'm going to overrule that because I have seen this before. I know my players. I especially know my pitchers. Uh, it's just a matter of being so defensive now it's almost an extension of starting pitchers not being asked to throw more than 100 pitches it's just this natural inherent defensiveness and i understand the third time through the order rule uh, jose barrios barely got through the order the second time and the idea of bringing in a new look and someone in you say kikuchi um i get it fundamentally I understand that Kikuchi was actually the like you maybe their the best math. starter. Yeah, I understand. I understand the math, and I understand you say Kikuchi is a really good pitcher, but man, I I just one base runner, one base runner is all it takes. Like there, there is, there is an aesthetic element to the game that gets totally lost with this. And if your moves, even if they are mathematically correct, backfire. You are going to lose your fans over this because nobody uh, – go back to Blake Snell. 
Yeah. I mean, still, still, all these years later, still, the questions about pulling Blake Snell in the World Series when he was pitching as well as he was, and that was in like the sixth, seventh inning, right? Like that was much deeper into the game than this. I, I just, you know, I thought it was a a waste and unfortunate and frankly, Buster, it was the proper end to a Toronto Blue Jays season that was so incredibly underwhelming that there need to be changes there because what they've got now, it ain't working. So I've come to view the scripting out of uh, the scripting out going into a game uh, and the adherence to that is being a really dumb decision by really smart people. Because how many times <laughs> have you and I through the years talked to a pitcher who goes into out to the bullpen to warm up before the game, and he says afterward, "You know what? I didn't feel good in the bullpen. I, di- I, I didn't, didn't have ha- a good yeah, I didn't slider. I had a great slider. I didn't have a good fastball." There are so many variables that go into yep. how a pitcher is performing. The idea that for an eight o'clock game you're going to sit down at two o'clock in the afternoon and know yep. that you can just lay it out what's going to happen that night is insane. And that's why, and, and here's, to your point, I agree with you. You need a manager who can watch what uh, a pitcher's doing, watch what's going on with the staff, and have a feel for the guy and say, I'm going to break away from that. I got to tell you, like, last night, watching Aaron Nola, given his general performance this year, you could see a front office saying, you know what? If you get five innings out of Aaron Nola, run, right? But no. Yep. Rob yep. Thompson, Caleb Cotham watched Aaron Nola last night. They watched how he's filling the strike zone with that slider, and they stuck with him. Yes, 100%. yeah, and yeah, and and good for them. Good, you know, not just good for them for sticking with him. And I'm sorry, but that is a loud truck that needs a new muffler behind me. Um, but, you know, it's not just sticking with him, Buster. It's being emboldened to make that decision. That's the part of it that and I give Dave Dombrowski. Yes, yes, I give Howard. Dave Dombrowski and Fold a lot of credit for saying, you know what, Topper? Like, you go do your thing. You manage this team. You manage your players. You put them in the best position to win because in the moment, you know better than we do. We can give you all of this information and we can tell you what we believe is going to happen. But in the moment, only you know best, and that's why you are managing this team. So go out and actually manage it. Don't just push the buttons that hours ago we told you to push. You mentioned the Blue Jays in the upcoming offseason. I completely agree with you. I wonder if the last moment, the last uh, memorable moment we're going to see with Vlad Jr. in a Blue Jays uniform is going to be getting picked picked off off second base. Because he is barreling very quickly toward that, you know, that – the tipping point that we saw with Cody Bellinger in recent years with the Dodgers, you know, that we've been talking about potentially with Pete Alonso, where you get a first baseman, you get a corner slugger, a guy who, you know, isn't a, a good defender. He clearly is not a good base runner. He's not add, adding anything there. Made make $14 million yep. this year. He's probably going to be close to 17 to 20 for next season. And you wonder if the Blue Jays, after this disappointing season, are going to say, you know what, we got We have to start turning things over. And there would be a market for Vladdy. What do you think? Oh, no doubt. It, it's got to be a consideration. But 
let's remember too, Buster, this is like two consecutive years where Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has just been good. You know, he's been a good hitter who hits the ball really hard. He hasn't been one of the best hitters in the world. He hasn't been the guy who's finishing, no. you know, second to Shohei Otani in the MVP voting. And and to see these years going by when he really is in his prime right now, like this is prime, prime, mid-20s, should be hitting 40 home runs, driving in 120, batting 300, being the guy that we all know that he can be, and he just hasn't. And one of the reasons that I think the Blue Jays have underachieved to the level that they have is because Vladimir Guerrero Jr. has underachieved to the level that he has. And uh, it's it's really unfortunate because this guy, by all accounts, should be a star star. And right now, he's just a pretty good first baseman. Yeah, I would imagine you know the Milwaukee Brewers might be a team interested. Heck, the San Francisco Giants in need of a big name. Chicago Cubs. A hundred percent now that Bellinger's leaving. Yeah, you could see a lot of teams. And and look, I, I don't know how you felt about the handling of Alec Manoa this year, but that for me, that was very symptomatic of what's going on with the Blue Jays, where he essentially goes yeah. he's sent down the minor leagues. He's not suspended. He's not really dealt with. There were other players in that organization. Like, what are we doing here? You know, at some point, there needs yeah. to be a standard of accountability within the organization. And I think that's what the players there will want to establish this winter. Isn't it, you know, isn't it fascinating watching teams that get all the right pieces in place, Buster, and it just doesn't work? I mean, I feel like that's the San Diego Padres right there, too. You have everything on paper that looks like it should be correct. And then... You know, in the Padres' case, it fell apart. In the Blue Jays' case, it just never really came together. All right. So I was told that you have a piece coming out the next couple of days. I don't know what it's about. I should have asked you before we started <laughs> you know, that you have this article coming out. What's that about? It's going to be a division series preview. And uh, it's looking – I listen, there is no secret sauce for the playoffs, but I do think there are certain things that great playoff teams have. They hit home runs. They strike batters out. They have good up the middle defense. And, you know, we, we've seen that from the Houston Astros in particular uh, over recent years. And I, I think that's a big part of why they're winning, because they are always strong up the middle. They always hit the ball out of the park. Uh, you know, the, the one year that they didn't hit home runs was in 2021. They got out home at 11-2 in the World Series. And what happened? The, the Braves, you know, absolutely ran roughshod over them. Is this series between the Braves and the Phillies going to be the best series of the postseason, do you think? Yes. I wish it were seven games. It makes me sad that it's not. You know what's interesting to me, though? Um, it's the way that the series are laid out in terms of the National League getting that extra day off after game one and what that does for the pitching staffs. The advantage for the Braves, I think, can be pretty significant because they're going to get Strider and Freed twice, whereas in the American League, the Astros are going to get Verlander twice, but Framber Valdez only once, Christian Javier only once. And so uh, being a National League team that's had some rest is a lot better. Zach Wheeler's only going to be, you know, Zach Wheeler's going to go twice, but they get Nola only once. Uh, and so Atlanta, I think, has the starting pitching advantage because of that so long as Freed is actually healthy and can make those starts. 
Yeah, and if he's actually right, you know, it felt like down the stretch there was some leaking there yeah. on as there was in the past. Who are you picking in that series? Because I, I got to tell you, and I, this is I'm going to be completely guilty of recency bias, and you know this. You hang around a team for a few days, and you're like, yep, yeah, I know. Team. I, I, I know, I know. Yeah, I think it'd be, be very tough for anybody to beat the Phillies the way that Zach Wheeler, uh, you know, Aaron Nola were rested by the coaching staff for the last six weeks, six-man rotation paying off in a big way yep. as we get, get into October. 307 home runs, 501 slugging percentage, best lineup I've probably ever seen. And I grew up in Cleveland in the 1990s, so that's a really high standard and threshold. If I'm picking against the Atlanta Braves, I'm doing so because I am falling prey to that very recency bias about which you're talking. And I have long tried to avoid recency bias, but it's the playoffs, man. Like (laughs) recency bias is a real thing. Like, I'm sorry, like the entire month is a small sample size. So I understand your pick and I'm not going to say you're wrong. I think it's a total coin flip. But between the home field advantage and that extra start from Max Freed that the Braves might get, and of course that lineup being every bit as good and better than the Phillies lineup, I'm going with the Braves in a series to remember. All right, before you go, give me quick thoughts. Diamondbacks uh, beating the Brewers in two games. Uh, Very surprising. Uh, It was interesting. I talked to the Diamondbacks uh, player last night, and he said, I'm really glad that we weren't in Philly because Milwaukee was a much easier place to play when we have the young guys that we do to get acclimated. And, you know, getting out to the uh, advantages that Milwaukee did, you would think that they would be able to hold them. Uh, Diamondback showed so much resiliency and moxie, a lot of respect for that team, uh, whose talent, you know, on paper, they are not a match for the other three teams that are in their league. And yet we're an October buster. And weird things happen. And if I saw the Arizona Diamondbacks in the National League Championship Series, it wouldn't surprise me one bit. Was that the last game that Craig Council manages for the Milwaukee Brewers? And if you believe that, where do you think he winds up next year? I do not believe that. I think he's going to stay in Milwaukee. This is, this is not something that I'm being told by sources. It's just a, just a little feeling that I have. I think he's going to become the highest paid manager in baseball. Now, the question is, will Mark Adnazio do that? If Mark, I think if Mark Adnazio, the owner of the Brewers, will make Craig Council the highest paid manager in baseball, that he will be in Milwaukee. But I think it's also going to be a matter of respect here. And, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to think that after all these years of not being paid nearly what he should be because he is a fantastic manager, that uh, he gets his bag. And at that point, if he does become that in Milwaukee, becomes the most powerful manager in the sport, maybe supplanting Alex Cora, who I've thought of in recent years as maybe being that guy. Uh, all right, Rays Rangers, quick thought. Um, oh, boy. Uh, my World Series pick went down the toilet in a hurry. Uh, and i you know i just i don't know if i don't know if it was it you know it was recency bias there buster like i maybe i'm just a hypocrite because i saw the way that the rangers played over the last week of the season gagging away the uh, the american league west crown and a week off i'm like this you know this team like what what are they made of and then jordan montgomery goes and throws seven shutout uh, and then nathan of all the Follows up with six plus brilliant and 
their bullpen looked pretty good. And when you have Josh Young and Evan Carter hitting eight, nine, uh, you know, earlier in the season, I said the Rangers have a lineup every bit as dangerous uh, as any team in baseball. And while the Braves proved that to be not quite correct, I, I would suggest that after seeing the Rangers hit these last few days, man, they are dangerous and they are scary. And they're going to be a handful for the Baltimore Orioles. The Rays, to me, are becoming like the A's were, you know, 20 years ago with those money ball teams where that during the course of the regular season, you know, they had tremendous success. They get in the postseason. Yep. And I don't think there's a consistent threat as to why the Rays aren't winning in the postseason. Uh, I think this year, a lot of it has to do with injuries. Wanda Franco, their best player, being taken off the field. Uh, I, I, yep. I feel for those guys because they've, they've been better than the results they've gotten in the postseason. Yeah. At the, listen, at the same time, at some point, you just got to win. At some point, you run out of excuses. Like winning 99 games during the regular season is great. If you can't win one during the postseason, then those 99 don't mean a whole lot. All right, Jeff. Thanks for doing this. Uh, safe travels for you. Thanks, Buster. I'm going to go have some breakfast with Rachel Ulrich now. She <laughs> says hi. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. This is the numbers game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing on this? Uh, what day is it? Thursday with no baseball ahead, uh, Sarah, in October. What are you going to do with the day? I know, I have no idea, I mean, I'm doing great as always, thank you, but 
You know, I mean, the series was really fun, so excited for every team that advanced, but sitting here thinking two whole days without baseball all over again is a very, very scary preview of November. I don't want to start going down that road, so I'll find some good research to do getting ready for the uh, divisional round. All right, I told Jeff that my suit uh, would fail a blood alcohol test based on how saturated it was from being in the Phillies clubhouse. And I also mentioned that uh, they kept on replaying this song that's apparently a favorite of Kyle Swarber, just dumping uh, champagne and beer over his head as they were playing. And they're singing as loud as possible. Uh, look, we all have back in the day stories, Sarah. So I want to hear your back in the day yeah. story. What was your favorite drink? And if you were drinking, what would be the song you would have been singing to the way Schwarber was last night? I mean, favorite drink would be a spicy margarita, but that's not really a uh, clubhouse celebration there. I guess that would have to be a champagne, right? Um, and as for singing, not the best singing voice ever, but I would sing absolutely everything. I mean, I can hear a song once and remember all of the lyrics, so almost whatever I would hear, I'd be singing along, which is great because my go-to music, as I think I mentioned on here, is pretty much classic rock. So back in college, I never really knew the songs I was hearing, if we were going to parties or anything. But luckily, after hearing them once or twice, I kind of knew them, even if I wasn't listening to them on my own time. <laughs> so parts of your singing would be just sort of like, uh, like you're just coming <laughs> along with the with, with what you remember, right? With just the sound of the words, not the actual words. Exactly. Exactly. Right. So, well, I, back in the day story, when I uh, graduated from Van, well, I finished I took my last exam at Vanderbilt uh, and I finally graduated after a long haul trying to get the <laughs> money to finish. And I went out with friends and there was a drink at that time called the turquoise blue. And I think I had six of them. I don't remember though, Sarah. It was oh, really no. ugly. Yeah, whatever the Phillies are feeling this morning, it was much better than the way I felt when I finished <laughs> school, that's for sure. All right, let's oh, play the numbers gosh. game. Number three. Number three is two. So speaking of one of the other teams that was celebrating yesterday, the Dimebacks, they didn't just sweep that series. They came back from down multiple runs in both of those games. They're the fourth team ever in postseason history to win their first two games of a single postseason despite trailing by multiple runs in both of those games. So the other teams do that. The 2009 Yankees, 2008 Braves, and the 1956 Dodgers. So the first thing I thought of when I looked this up around the sixth inning yesterday was, oh my goodness, Evan Longoria just keeps being the storyline here. Think about that. He was a young kid, a rookie, on that 08 team with the uh, race when they did that. And now he is the elder statesman guiding another young team for the most part to doing the exact same thing. Number two. 
Number two is 24. We'll go with 24. So last night, uh, before all the alcohol you interacted with, the Phillies won their 24th game in the postseason at Citizens Bank Park. They're 24 and 11 at that ballpark in the postseason. That's the 86 winning percentage currently stands as the best record in the postseason for any team at any ballpark in all time with a minimum of at least 20 games and I don't even need that to tell me that certainly over the last two years at the very least you see that even on TV even through my headphones even just hearing how it's going in Philly and it feels like there are thousands and no even though I was there and witnessed them get no hit in that ballpark in the World Series it still feels impossible to think they could lose in that ballpark in the postseason. Number one. Number one is three. Gotta talk about Bruce Bochy and the Rangers advancing in the series where I think a lot of people did pick the Rays. They questioned about that Rangers bullpen. The Rangers figured out the way to avoid any bullpen issues, which is hit a, uh, hit a lot of home runs, score a lot of runs, and make it so the bullpen doesn't have to be pitching in key tight situations yet. So three is for the three franchises that Bruce Bochy has now won at least one postseason round with the Padres, the Giants, and now the Rangers. He is the fourth manager to win a postseason round with three franchises joining Bob Melvin, Dusty Baker, and David Johnson. Boach has won 14 postseason rounds in his managerial career. The only managers with more, Joe Torre with 19 rounds won, and Tony LaRusso with 16. Yeah, Boach... Uh, it's pretty cool to see uh, the Rangers move ahead, knowing you know how much he was excited to get back into managing and uh, you know to have another opportunity to to uh, pour champagne. And it's always funny too because he's such a nice person. And then you hear him with an edge in his voice, like when he's speaking to his players after they clinched. And man, you get a, a sense of the competitive side of him. Uh, Sarah, you and I both picked the Phillies to win the World Series before the year started, or excuse me, before the playoffs started. Uh, man, they were impressive the last two days. Give me a, you know, your initial quick thoughts on a Braves and Phillies series. I mean, I'm still feeling good about my pick. The Braves yeah. are going to be really tough. I'm really excited for this series. I mean, I love the kind of divisional rematch aspect and the fact that even though the Braves were so much better in the regular season, we're kind of getting an least crown, uh, you know, round two or something. But I think, I mean, man, the intangibles just all seem to go the Phillies' way. The pitching, as you said, when we talked before the playoffs, is so rest in such a better spot. We saw that with Aaron Nola going seven scoreless yesterday, and Zach Wheeler six and the third or two thirds and one run the day before. I mean, they're set up so, so well. I have all of these concerns about the Braves pitching and seeing how the Phillies are able to capitalize on opportunities. I really wonder, but I mean, I hope it goes the distance. I hope it's 
really well fought than I'm expecting it to be. And I'm really excited to see Ron Kennedy Jr. in the postseason doing his thing. I mean, we've seen it before, but I feel like we forget how electric he can be in the postseason. This is the guy who is the youngest player in postseason history to lead off a run and the youngest player in postseason history to the Grand Slam. He did that all a couple of years ago, and he's been doing really incredible stuff since. I, I can't wait. That that series is going to be so much fun. Yeah. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this, uh, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Bleacher Tweets. Alrighty, Buster. Bleacher tweets for a Thursday. Spence, Texas baseball fan. First of all, he's fired up for uh, for Rangers Orioles. Uh, he let me know that. And he also writes in Buster, what's more embarrassing, being a three seed losing to a six seed at home or being a four seed and losing at home in front of only 20,000 spectators? If a tree falls in a forest, does it make a sound, Buster? Yeah, it's the, it's the crowds of 20,000 people. Make sure you avert your eyes, <laughs> right? Like, really? 20,000 people? I mean that, that you get more for you know in indoor fireworks I think in Tampa Bay <laughs> than for a playoff game. Yes. Oh, really enjoying the grave dancing today. What for the Rays and the Blue Jays? Does does Vladimir Guerrero Jr. have a playoffs problem that he should address? Well, right. That's exactly what coach. I, I said if he had a bad playoffs, and all of a sudden it's starting to become a thing with him, mm-hmm. right? I mean, three times you know that the Blue Jays go out, he doesn't perform. It becomes a thing, even if it's not necessary in its small sample size. But when it happens over and over and over again, it becomes a thing, especially when you're a star player. And especially when you bomb out of the playoffs last year and say, this is just the trailer. Next year's the movie. Another bad ending in that oh. movie for, for Vladimir. Well, I, I didn't remember that. I did see the pickoff and that was like, what in God's name are you doing? Yeah. Oh, that's great. I loved it. Zach Beeson writes in Buster with the 2020 World Series mess with Blake Snell, almost getting swept in the 2021 ALDS, swept in the wild card round in 22 and 23. Which one ends first, the 2023 MLB Fall League season or Kevin Cash's tenure as Rays manager? I don't know. How, how are you going to Kevin Cash is like a finalist for American League manager of the year. Like, I get it if you're a frustrated Rays fan. I mean, think about all the players that they lost. Like mm-hmm. Randy Rosarena down the stretch, he got hurt. They take, as we talked about, Wanda Franco, you know, is taken off the field because he's being investigated for these inappropriate relationships. Uh, you know, they, they lost, uh, you know, two or three other guys. I mean, they got hammered by injuries. Yeah. You know, that, that, that uh, it, it sounds like an excuse you know, and people have hammered the Yankees for doing that, the Mets for doing that, with like Edwin Diaz getting hurt in spring training. But you know what? That's real. Those are star players taken off the field. Yeah, and to their, you know, to the Rays' credit, like they chugged along all year. Like the the, the oh Jays gosh. were up and down, but the the Rays. I mean, they got off to that amazing start, but like, I mean, they were winning like seventeen games a month. Like that's a pretty impressive clip. Kevin Cash a problem. Come on. Yeah, no. DC Trombley writes in all the talk about Correa's play versus Jeter. And to me, it's not close. Jeter made an amazing play because he anticipated it. Correa had to make an amazing play because he was out of position on the air and Bo almost caught his mistake. Yeah, pretty nice. I, I, I wouldn't say Carlos was out of position. Like the, you know, the, the third baseman made a mistake and he raced over. But And I, I was very careful yesterday when we talked about this. This was the perspective of Roy Smalley, you know, who tweeted out that uh, mm. he thought they were comparable plays. 
I was there for the Jeter play in Oakland. I, I think the Jeter play is one of the greatest that I've ever seen. I don't think it's close. Okay. You were I mean, there. for the shortstop to wind up on the first base foul line, making a 20-foot flip to the catcher, that, that to me is a, is a tougher play than a shortstop ranging in the shortstop hole. Makes sense to me. Gregory Gosnell, Carl's Jr., 9982 writes, and why wouldn't the six-seed Diamondbacks play the one-seed Braves? I'm sure I ask you this every year, Buston, but uh, what's your stance on reseeding? Um, boy, it doesn't it feel like this year you'd, you'd love to have some way the Braves could face the Diamondbacks yep. just to hold off the Phillies-Braves series? I mean, I'm selfish. I want to see Phillies Braves be seven games. Oh yeah, because that series, if it happens, it, it, I mean, it is going to happen in five games, but in seven game series, it would be even more epic. I can't. I, I mean, that that series is going to have so much, especially with two teams that play each other in the same division. Elizabeth Hart at E Hart tweets writes in a very simple question. Oh, I didn't really answer the question. Yes, I'd be okay with reseeding. <laughs> I thought it was implied. All right. Clears day for Gregory. Ehart tweets Elizabeth Hart. She writes in a very simple question for you. Why are the Blue Jays? And a question for Taylor. Is there a free seat on the Orioles bandwagon? There is a seat on the bandwagon, but there is no ticket for Elizabeth to the to the parade if we win the World Series. So important distinction. Man, we've had so many conversations this fall about clubhouse culture. Isn't it amazing? Mm -hmm. You know, in this analytic era, I mean, it. Uh, you read the stories about the Giants and, you know, we talked about on the podcast, according to The Athletic, uh, you know, you had Giants players playing board games, you know, in the, in the, in the time leading up to games. Uh, you know, the White Sox this year, Keenan Middleton, the reliever, talking about how he, he saw a guy in the bullpen sleeping and you just ask, hey, Keenan, you know what you could do? Wake him up. <laughs> uh, and, and then, you know, with the thing with the Blue Jays this year, there definitely are, there's a lot of stuff out there among players that the Blue Jays have a really laid back attitude. And you wonder, you know, the handling of Alec Manoa, where they send him to the minor leagues and he basically says, no, I'm not going to do that. And then they don't discipline him. I, I don't understand that. I suspect there's going to be a lot of conversations in the Blue Jays organization this winter about culture. Thanks for reminding me about Alec Manoa. I, I love that train wreck, too. This is great. Uh, we won't address it. You what? I love the train wreck of Alec Manoa. Thanks for reminding me about that. Another <laughs> another thing to laugh about this morning. Uh, Brian, well, I don't mean to laugh at him. I was, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm laughing at him, not Buster. Uh, Brian Roll, he brings up Vladdy in the movie thing again. Uh, we'll go to PK Steinberg to close it out. He writes in, was Michael A. Taylor one of the best signings last offseason? It gave the Twins and the oft-injured Buxton so much defensive reliability in the outfield. I agree. Uh, and, and you knew this, with the pitchers that they, the staff, I remember having a conversation, I think we played it on the podcast, Sonny Gray talking about the outfield defense and how, you know, they had layers to it. So if Buxton was out, then you'd have Michael A. Taylor who could play. It seemed like it was a focus all year for the, for the Twins. And, and by the way, you know, I, I mean, I got to own it. Before going into that, uh, that Twin series, I thought, boy, I don't know if Carlos Correa is going to be okay. He's been out a couple weeks, plantar fasciitis. Man, is he a big stage player or what? That guy. He reminds me so much of Derek Jeter, you know, who I covered, but as, as someone who just loves playing in October, you know, if there could be a, a, a current Mr. October for me, it would be Carlos Correa. Ooh, excited to see the t twins play in the divisional round. Been a long time for them. Getting excited for games here. Hashtag Bleacher tweets 
Uh, well, not while you're watching games tonight, because there's no games tonight. There's no games on Friday. So give us your thoughts on the divisional series, and uh, we will be back tomorrow. I believe that is the tentative plan. Yeah, that's what we're going to do tomorrow. Okay, sounds good. All right, that's it for today. My thanks to Jeff, Sarah, Bruce, Sarah, Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and remember, hate and inequality based on skin and color is something we need to fight against every single day.